Pray one more time. Lord Jesus, come before your throne of grace this morning and where else would we go to find words of life? I pray that your spirit would infuse these words this morning and bring life to each of our spirits. Challenge us and encourage us in our walk uh, as we run to you. Thank you for this day and we thank you for your goodness to us in your name. Amen. I want to thank Preston for pulling me aside a few minutes ago to pray for me. I expressed to him um, my wish that I was a great orator that could deliver a message extemporaneously and um, encourage that way, but that's not my process. <laughs> um, when I prepare a message, I pray, I think through it, I write, I pray, I write again, and then I pray. And then I read it. <laughs> so he assured me, and it was an encouraging word, that I'm in good company with other preachers and proclaimers of the gospel that read their messages. So I thank you for your patience and the way I deliver the message. In just a few days, we will celebrate the 240th year of our nation's founding. With the signing of the Declaration of Independence by representatives of the 13 colonies, whereby they declared themselves free and independent states, absolved from any allegiance to Great Britain. We're a nation that is founded on the desire for liberty, which is the rightful exercise of freedom from tyranny and persecution. Through the struggle of the American Revolution, our founders created three of the most cherished documents in world history outside of Scripture. These, of course, are the Declaration of Independence in 1776, the United States Constitution in 1787 and the Bill of Rights in 1791. Men like George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, John Adams, and James Madison put their names on these documents and committed themselves to the cause of freedom at the risk of losing their fortunes and indeed their very lives. The preamble to the Constitution reads, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. George Washington said, let us raise a standard to which the wise and honest can repair. The rest is in the hands of God. 240 years later, the American experiment with all our problems is still the beacon of hope to the world. And still, people still risk life and limb to get here. Few clamor to leave, although some Hollywood elitists keep promising us they will. <laughs> July the 4th is not just a day for barbecues and parades. It's a day to honor the sacrifice of these men and their families who formed the structure of a more perfect union. It's a day to remember their sacrifice and to reflect on the founding principles they have, that have formed these United States. There have been several significant events over the past few weeks uh, that have taken place in America and around the world. Even during the short time that the ministry team was in Peru, 
I'd like to recap a few of these and talk for a few minutes about where we are as a nation today and in contrast to where we began 240 years ago. On June the 12th, there was the horrific mass murder in a nightclub in Orlando that left 49 people dead and 53 others injured. There have been multiple attacks on police officers in different cities across the nation. So far, there have been 56 homicides in the city of of, uh, Chicago during the month of June alone, with 313 murders recorded so far in 2016. This past Friday, the economies of stock exchanges around the world were rocked with the decision of the British people to pull out of the European Union. And of particular dismay to those of us who are supporters of the pro-life movement, we know from statistics shared by Operation Rescue that 21% of pregnancies in the United States will end in abortion, and that a total of 730,322 abortions were reported to the Centers for Disease Control for the year of 2011, which was the most recent uh, year's numbers that were available. And keep in mind that reporting is voluntary, not 100%. We don't know the exact numbers of abortions so far in 2016. But the toll of human life is certainly staggering. On top of all these terrible events, remember that this month marks the second anniversary of the Islamic Caliphate declared by Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the spiritual and military leader of ISIS. There have been rumors that he may have been killed in an airstrike recently, but I don't believe anything definitive uh, has been indicated in that regard. Baghdadi called for an international Islamic caliphate or state whereby he would be the caliph or successor to the Islamic prophet Muhammad with absolute power and authority to implement Sharia law throughout the world. Senator Ted Cruz in a speech a few months ago declared the world is on fire. I believe he's right. From literal flames in the western U.S. destroying hundreds of homes, many lives, and livelihoods, to the raging conflicts in the Middle East, in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, etc., to the floods of this past week in West Virginia, to the terrorist attacks that are becoming regular events in America and around the world, the world, it seems, has gone mad, and even nature is groaning in its madness. Common sense is a rare quality in our leaders, and society as a whole seems to be upside down in our thinking, to the point that in many matters, good is now perceived as evil, and evil is perceived as good. Our political system seems to be irreversibly broken, and our president has on several occasions taken upon himself to establish law a function reserved by our founders for the Congress of the United States. Thomas Jefferson said, The natural progression of things is for liberty to yield and government to gain ground. We've certainly seen that. Our third branch of government, the Supreme Court, is divided now on most issues with a vote of four to four, with the passing of the great legal mind, Justice Antonin Scalia, who provided the crucial conservative majority vote on many issues facing the court. In the midst of all that is going on in our society today, you wonder at times if our politicians and leaders have a clue what is happening. 
or if their focus is primarily on their own political agendas or their re-election bids. Instead of focusing on protecting and serving the American people they were elected to represent. George Washington once said that mankind, when left to themselves, are unfit for their own government. Where are the outrageous champions, or excuse me, where are the courageous <laughs> champions of, we have the outrageous one. Where are the courageous champions of liberty and justice? Where are the people with godly wisdom and understanding? The discontent in our electorate has given rise to the popularity of a self-avowed socialist named Bernie Sanders and a brash, egotistical billionaire with no prior political experience in Donald Trump as two of the top three candidates in the race for the presidency of the United States. Now couple that head-scratcher with the continued popularity and success of number three in this group, the first female presumptive nominee for the presidency who is also the first candidate to run for the office while under an active investigation by the FBI. And you ask yourself, can we not do better than this? How, Lord, did we get to this place in our nation's history? Let's look at scripture for some answers. Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 writes, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And the scripture tells us, avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses. And this is key, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul puts his thumb on the problems facing our society today. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, many, although they have denied its power. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You ask yourself, how can people be so confused about the fundamental changes in morality and its impact on our society? How can they miss the implications of the disintegration of the family unit as God intended it and created it to be? How can we miss the mark so badly? For men will be lovers of self. 1 Corinthians 2.14-16 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But we have the mind of Christ. As believers in Christ, we've been made alive in the Spirit. Our perspective and view of the world is radically changed because of who Jesus is in us. It's exciting this morning to hear about some people in the past couple of weeks. The Spirit has been ignited in their lives and the changes that will begin to take place in them. 
My good friend and spiritual mentor I refer to a lot, Dr. J.O. Williams, has said, It's not the pharaohs, caesars, kings, czars, presidents, tyrants, or demigods of history who have briefly ruled and reigned with a bloody scepter. History is not their story. History is his story. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of human history. All history points to him and will be consummated in him, by him, for him. Now, in the meantime, human history will continue to be written by presidents, politicians, and parliamentarians who are deceived and deluded by their titles, positions, and power. Only the ones who are consciously and humbly seeking to glorify God through their political positions will have any lasting legacy. The rest will be broken and humbled by the inviolate laws of God and His unstoppable and undefeatable purposes of history. All other events will be relegated to the dustbin of history. As the Alpha and Omega of history, God is going to ultimately give Jesus supremacy in all things and reconcile to him himself all things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Colossians 1.20 But until God brings down the curtains of human history with Christ alone standing on the stage, our world will grind on in prosperity for some, poverty for most, in purity for some, and perversion for others, in delight for some, but in despair for the majority. So how are we to live in in times like this of such uncertainty? Galatians 5.1 tells us of the freedom that God intended for his people. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. We're not to fall into religious piety or the burdensome yoke of works, but rather it is faith working through love in Christ Jesus that we find freedom in the Spirit. You know, we're fast approaching the competition of the Summer Olympic Games in Rio. The competition of an athlete is an image that the Apostle Paul uses to challenge us as believers in the way that we're to live out our faith in our areas of influence. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? That's the way it used to be anyway. Everybody gets a trophy now. Run in such a way that you win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. We are called to be faithful witnesses to the grace of God, ambassadors of Christ, servants of the Most High God. Christ has set us free from sin and death. We stand firm. We are to stand firm in that freedom and not to yield to sin slavery again. Galatians five sixteen through twenty five says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit." And the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. 
so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. There's much talk today about hate. Everything seems to be immediately called a hate crime. What's our answer to hate? It's the love of Jesus. What's our answer to racism? It's unity in the Spirit. What's our answer to despair? It's the joy of the Lord. What is our answer to lives that are out of control? It's to be it's for us to model the self-control that comes as a fruit of God's Spirit residing in us. What is our answer to war? The peace of God that surpasses comprehension. What is our answer to evil? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. What is our answer to weakness? Prayer. What is our answer to a lack of understanding? Study of his word and the application of its principles. God has given us instruction in how to live, not to encumber us, but to free us. God has called us to be his peculiar people. We're becoming more peculiar all the time. In 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10, we read, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but it's choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay, a, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Remember that America's greatness is based on her goodness. 
If America is to be great again, it won't be because Donald Trump willed it so. It will be because God's people humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways so that he will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. In closing, I'd like to return back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and read verses 12 through 17. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. As we approach the July 4th celebration of our nation's founding and we celebrate God's gift of liberty, remember the words of James Madison who said, the happy union of these states is a wonder their constitution a miracle, their example the hope of liberty throughout the world. And Thomas Jefferson's famous words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No matter what lies ahead for us as a nation or we as believers and followers of Christ, Remember, we are a blessed people who enjoy God's true freedom, not through independence, but through total dependence upon his spirit and his word. May we be salt and light. Let's pray. Lord, it's painful to watch the changes that our nation is going through, that the world is going through. And to understand that much of it is so unnecessary. But Lord, I thank you that history is yours. You will stand on center stage alone. At a time of reckoning. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that you are Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your grace in each of our lives that we've, by your spirit, been able to make that decision and bend that knee. May we grow in your grace. May we effectively, with discipline, run the race. We ask you to continue to do the work in us that you've begun and perfect it until you come for us. We thank you for our country, Lord, the freedom that you've given America. You blessed us to be a blessing. And it pains us to see how that freedom has been perverted in so many ways. But it brings home, Lord, the the reality that we we need you. As a country, we need you. We need revival. As individuals, Lord, daily, 
We need you. As I prayed earlier, Lord, where else would we go to find words of life? You are the Lord. You are the one true God. Father, empower us by your spirit to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've called us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for your long-suffering and patience with me. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.